Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ty and Jay show at the cab podcast that we have going on here. We're a day late. So if you're all planning on a Thursday, um, it is Friday. It is heading into the weekend. So uh, you are not uh, delusional or anything else. It is not Thursday. You do not have Friday left tomorrow uh, going into a three-day great Labor Day weekend. So anyways, I'm here with my uh, buddy Ty uh, uh, out of Kalispell. So Ty, you want to say a few words? Yeah. How's it going, everybody? Um, yeah, we uh, we came to you a, a day later. We, as you probably have seen, um, if you're friends with Jason on Facebook, which uh, most of you probably are if you're watching this, we launched a brand new project um, that we had mentioned on the podcast last week, and um, it actually was premiered on Wednesday. And so I think we could probably take a little bit of time here at the beginning of this episode to just talk about what that was. Um, so if you haven't seen it by now, we launched episode one of a project that we're calling Behind the Scenes Great Falls, which is this big initiative to shed some more light on business owners, uh, specifically in Great Falls right now, uh, but just generally um, shedding light on business owners and specifically small business owners. And, you know, we talk a lot about on the um, small business owners on this podcast because I think um, they don't, or well, I shouldn't say I think, I know and I've seen that they don't have enough resources uh, to reach their core demographics, right? They don't have huge multi-million dollar advertising budgets. Um, a lot of times they just do what they can to reach their future customers. And we thought that it was a, um, an appropriate time to start providing them with a new tool. Um, so we launched episode one and we highlighted a very special business to the both of us. And that was cab. Um, so Jason was the star of our first episode. And uh, basically we went through how cab got started, what it is, um, who it helps and what it's going to look like going forward. And that's kind of going to be the, the structure of each episode is, is talking about, you know, sitting down with the business owner, talking about why they got started, why they, you know, strive for excellence or what sets them apart and, and where they see their business going in the future. So it's the whole idea kind of along the names of behind the scenes is just to give people a different perspective of, of what that business is and create a human to human connection, right? Because, you know, we both love um, street burgers or roadhouse because the food is good. Um, but we also have gotten the opportunity now and, and you more than me to know the people who own it, right? And so then it's even, you know, it's a higher level of, of um, respect or um, interest in going there, right? It's not just about the burgers that are good. They are in their own right. But now you know the people too behind it. And you know, hey, I'm not just buying a burger. You know, I'm helping their family. I'm, you know, it's, it's bigger than that. So we're excited about that. And I don't know if you want to um, share kind of some of the feedback you've been getting on it. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. What an initiative that it was to get it started. You know, it was fun leading up to it with the unveiling. I had somebody at a cab on Wednesday. They had, they were going to leave early. So she said, but you, you won't tell me what the unveiling is. And I said, <laughs> no. And so she stuck around. She had somebody else take care of what she needed to do just so she could be around for, because uh, to us, it is that important. <clears throat> but what it, what it does or what I got out of it was it really, pulled back the curtain, so to speak. So you get to know the person behind the business. You get to know the, the passion that's behind the business because 
uh, like Ty just said, you know, what sets you apart from somebody else? What sets you apart from that other restaurant? You know, uh, both good food, whatever it is, you know, you got to find that one thing that sets you apart. And by re removing that curtain and that barrier, you get to know the, the person a little bit of what motivates them. You know, why would somebody start this business? You know, kind of like I talked a little bit about how I came up with the name cab. You know, if, if you, uh, if somebody just hears the cab, they don't think about it. They just think coffee and business, but there's a purpose behind how I came up with that. And that's kind of what we, behind the scenes does. It shows where that purpose was in order to uh, arrive at the name that we did. You know, uh, so a lot of times you hear all these different names out there and they might not mean anything to you until you kind of know why they got that name or whatever, something special about a family member or whatever. That's what uh, behind the scenes does and pulling back that curtain uh, with people and stuff. So if you want to know anything about it, we're not going to go into what the uh, questions were or the interview was, go watch it. It's out on my page. It's out on LinkedIn. It's out on, uh, I think we have it up on YouTube. I'm not sure. <laughs> I need to make sure we got it up there. But, uh, <laughs> I think got so. It in different places. Yeah. So, so go out there and watch it. Just uh, go to my page and, and you can see it in there. Um, but it is something that is great. So if you know of a business out there that uh, is looking small business uh, specifically, it can be any size business, but we really uh, want to look at the small businesses, one that might not necessarily have similar resources that, you know, hey, pay a little bit here. And this is what we can do uh, for you to get your name out there. And like I said, if we can bring that human to human connection, as Ty said, you know, together, I think that that's, uh, makes a business a little, little uh, nicer. So when you walk into a restaurant or walk into a clothing store or walk into a coffee shop and they know your name, kind of like the cheers thing, you know, um, yeah. that's what we're trying to get to is you go in and you know, these people as if you were sitting around the dinner table um, and they might not know you right away and you might not know them right away, but by having that human connection and coming together, say, Hey, I saw your video right there. They're going to remember who you are. You know, it's just going to make it that much, uh, much easier. So, so yeah, with that, we're, we're, we're excited that we kicked that off on Wednesday. And, and so it is live other on our sites. We're looking for um, at least 10 businesses. We're shooting for 10 businesses locally in Great Falls that want to, uh, to be showcased in our uh, be behind the scenes, Great Falls. So if you know of anybody or if that is you, please reach out to us, drop a note in the comments or whatever. And we'll make sure that we reach out to you this next week and get things set up and get production and, and things like that. Cause it, it takes time to get to some of the stuff up and running. But tonight we're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about the fear as a, as a real thing, because there is real fear out there. I was up in Glacier National Park and there's a bear <laughs> out there and I'm afraid of bears, you know, cause they, yeah, they, we, they eat me. We, we should mention we left last week's episode on the cliffhanger of if you were back for this week, you didn't get eaten by a bear. And yes. since we we were delayed by a night, there must be some listeners who thought you got eaten by a bear. So, <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that. So, yeah, um, if you if you thought that I was eaten by a bear, I was not. They did euthanize the bear where we were at. Um, there was a bear that shut down a couple of the trails and that bear has been euthanized since then. Uh, but I am back. Um, I did talk to uh uh, Cody, my son, and then my wife, Heather, we were on that, on that hike, uh, hanging onto the cliff going across and, and I'm thinking the whole way, okay, we got bear spray, but a bear jumps out in front of me on this cliff. It's either get eaten or jump. I mean, those are the two options that I have. So I don't think bear spray would have helped, but 
the bear spray did eliminate or, or reduce some of the fear that I had. If anything, I could throw the can at him and hit him after <laughs> it was emptied. Um, but, but anyways, it was a, it was a good time, but like I said, we got fear out there and some is real and some isn't. And, uh, and when, when you hear that thing about, uh, uh, what doesn't uh, kill you makes you stronger, unless it's a bear, it will kill you. Yes. Just, yes. just saying, <laughs> just saying. So, so Ty, let's kick this off. Um, I was reading some stuff today on fear and talked about the six um, different types of fear that are there. There's actually a lot more than the six, but you might be able to kind of combine some. You know, we've talked a little bit about this, uh, you and I uh, offline a little bit, but let's kind of dig into um, what uh, the types of fear. I'm just going to read off the, the fear that we're going to talk about tonight. There's six of them. I did a Facebook Live earlier today and I talked about two of them. And I said, but you got to join us tonight for the other four. So I'll read them off. And then Ty and I are going to kind of go back and forth and talk about each one and talk about uh, how to eliminate it. Or is it a real fear or how to maybe minimize like we do with the military? A lot of times is we can never eliminate fear or eliminate risk, but we can mitigate it and we can minimize it because going into the battlefield, you always have that fear of something. So how can you minimize the risk? Going in, and so we're going to talk about some of those things um, also. So the the fear that we're going to talk about tonight is the fear of poverty. Okay, that's one. Okay, the fear of criticism, and when we get into that, I, you know, I, it's going to work a couple of different ways when we talk about criticism. But it is that that is a real fear, even if you think it's not. When I say real, it's a fear out there, but but a lot of it is in our head. It's not necessarily going to going to hurt you. Um, the fear of, of unhealthiness or ill health. And how about the fear of losing a loved one or the loss of someone in your life that you loved? You know, it could be a divorce. It could be a, um, uh, a no longer boyfriend, girlfriend type thing. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fear of old age. Now, that was a real fear of mine earlier. Now that it's getting closer, it's like, you know what? 70 is not that old. So now I'm, you know, maybe older, getting older and stuff like that. I never had that problem. You know, when I turned 50, I, I didn't have a problem. I didn't uh, feel like jumping off a cliff. Now, at 51 and a half, I did, but at 50, I didn't. So just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little joke there. And then the fear of death. Okay, like the bear. Okay, uh, everybody kind of has a fear there. So we're going to talk about those. So Ty, why don't I let you kick it off? And, and you can pick out whichever one you want. We'll kind of piggyback on, on both of those and, and just see what we come up with, okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, kind of before we jump into the first one, um, I think that there's two things to think about here um, with these fears. And, you know, depending on on your experience, you might be of the camp that says, okay, these fears, you know, they are in our head, or maybe they aren't material, or, or maybe you are in the camp that's like, no, these are real and valid things. Um, but I think there are two things that impact how you see that. Um, one of them's perspective, and then the other one is not being equipped to recognize the fear and know that it is the fear of poverty or the fear of criticism, um, or you're not able to deal with it. Um, maybe you know that that fear exists, but you don't have the tools to be able to manage these emotions and these thoughts that are going through your head. So, you know, as we go through each one of these, you know, we can kind of talk about those factors and, and how that impacts those fears. But diving right into the first one, uh, you know, the fear of poverty. 
which is again, it's um, with all of these fears, they can be very valid. And anybody that's been in a situation like that, they know how um, impactful that is on making decisions on, you know, the level of stress. Uh, but really what, uh, what I think it boils down to is the scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset. And what the scarcity mindset is, is that there, it's, it's a way of thinking that resources are extremely limited, right? There's only a finite amount of money that you can earn. Or if you're a business owner, there's only so many clients that you can go out and get. And they're, you know, once you hit that number, you're done. Your business is done versus the abundance mindset, which is thinking um, there are unlimited amount of resources in the world. There are an unlimited number of customers and clients that I can serve. Um, and, and that has a big impact. And again, that's kind of that perspective, right? How are you looking at not only the fear, but how do you look at the world? How do you look at your business? How do you look at your personal resources? And, and I think that having one of those mindsets um, and knowing that that's going to be your mindset has a big, big factor into how you're dealing with that. And, and even if you think about it, like, um, you know, you're budgeting for, you know, your personal finances, somebody with an abundance mindset is going to be okay with, um, you know, upgrading a vehicle or investing more in their retirement or investing more in their business because they, they have confidence that this money is going to come back to them, right? They know that resources aren't limited. So if I invest a thousand dollars in my business, I'm not worried that I'm not going to be able to replace that money. I'm, I know that I can go out and reproduce it. Versus a scarcity mindset that might say, wow, I mean, I'm worried that if I invest that thousand dollars, it's going to come back to haunt me. I'm going to need that. I'm going to wish I didn't do that. I'm going to wish that I still had it at my disposal. So that's what that perspective um, really does. And, and then, you know, you think about how you might not be able to recognize that, you know, if you've never heard about these kind of balancing or dual um, mindsets out there of abund abund um, abundance versus scarcity, it's hard to deal with that, right? You just, you have a fear inside of you and you don't know why. Um, you know that it doesn't make you feel comfortable or confident. Um, but, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's hard to, it's hard to combat it. So um, what are your thoughts on, on some of that and, and what the fear of poverty is? Yeah, so let me ask you a question, Ty. And, and just so our audience knows, um, Ty and I don't really discuss any of these things. So, so this might be the first time I'm hearing it and the first time he's hearing it from me. And, and so I ask questions based off of what he said. So, so um, looking at the fear of poverty. So let's say I'm going to start a business, Ty, and, and, I'm, and I, I'm young. And, uh, and, or, or investments. Okay. We are you're just talking about that a little bit, you know, so let's say I'm going to invest in something and I'm young. Okay. So the fear of poverty might not be as strong when I'm younger, because I'm like, man, I got many years to, uh, to be able to build something versus if I'm 60 years old and I want to invest in something and I lose it now that fear of poverty. So is that kind of what, what, uh, um, do you think that those fears can kind of change, uh, maybe based on the age, based on what what it is that that on the poverty side, you know, if it's starting a business, if it's investing, if if it's uh, 
Hey, you know what? I need this job or else I can't, can't feed my family. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it definitely has a, an impact age wise, right? Obviously people that are closer or wanting to retire, they're going to be, you know, a little bit tighter with the purse strings uh, versus somebody that's just getting started. And, you know, if, if they make a mistake, you know, yeah, it's going to hurt. We're not pretending it won't, um, but it might not be a life or death thing, or it might not be what really derails them. Um, but I, I really do think that um, age isn't always a factor in, in some of this. Um, it can be, but I think there a lot of people would be surprised how many people, you know, that are 50, 60, 70 years old that are starting businesses or um, that are reinvesting in their business because it's what they love to do. Um, and, and so, you know, just because you are, you know, older doesn't mean you can't be risky. Um, and just because you're younger doesn't mean you can't, um, you know, have a tight budget and, you know, you're saving up maybe for an investment or you're wanting to start your own business. And so, um, you know, keeping things, um, I guess that would be an instance of using poverty as a motivator, right? You know, that, you're not and using... that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, uh, also, you know, you can use some of these fears as a way to motivate, you yep. know, uh, say, hey, I'm not going to give into it because I think that our age, you know, no matter what our age is, we have to learn, like you said, uh, you were talking about uh, how to recognize and having the tools to do it. Um, if you understand that, you can now mitigate or minimize or whatever that fear or figure out, is it a real fear or is it a self-imposed fear? You know, what is it that's, that's driving um, that uh, nervousness in me or the, uh, the fear factor, you know, as I, as I want to uh, do something different. And, and I think that's, that's the key there where you said in the beginning, you know, having the right perspective and then being able to have the tools to, to look at the fear and almost remove yourself from it and, come, and look at it from the outside. Okay, now what are the pros and cons and stuff? And if the pros outweigh the cons, you know, uh, do it because I get, I'm fearful sometimes, you know, that we could lose everything, you know, ventures that I've done. Uh, but if I let that drive me, I would never do half the mm. stuff that I do. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, kind of taking a step backwards and talking about fear in general, um, you know, relating back to, you know, your trip to Glacier last weekend, um, you know, we are a very lucky group of humans to live in a time that we do. But there was a time um, not too long ago when, you know, our ancestors coming across a bear on a cliff wasn't as uncommon as it is for us today. And they didn't right. have bear spray to protect them. <laughs> right. So our brains have, um, have learned to address fear and use these, um, even as we don't really truly understand it today, we use so many of these signals um, and our, our brain is always taking in data from, from what's around us because at one point it had to protect us from, bears and lions and uh, rushing rivers that were going to sweep us down, right? And so that's where that fight or flight response comes in. Um, and, and so you've really got to understand that and, um, and know that that's why these fears exist, right? It's, um, you know, when we say it's in your head, that doesn't mean that it isn't real or that you're making it up. It's that, okay, your brain is telling you this because it's trying to protect you. Right. Once you understand that, 
I think you can say, okay, is this, am I in imminent danger or is my brain being overly protective of me right now? Yep. Yep. So, so, all right, that's, that's the fear of poverty. So there's ways that you can mitigate it to minimize it, you know, uh, uh, get the tools to be able to uh, look at it realistically and logically um, to help you get over it or move on. You know, there's sometimes you just have to move on and say, Hey, I'm not willing to take that risk. Uh, so you move on, but, uh, but at least you addressed it and you took action. Then. So our next one we're going to talk about is the fear of criticism. Now that's a, that's a loaded one. Um, Cause I know for mm-hmm. myself, um, growing up, I never wanted to be criticized. You know, um, I didn't like, like anybody to be talking negative about something that I did. So a lot of times I wouldn't tell anybody what I was thinking or doing. I kept it to myself. And, uh, in this day and age, I'm 54 years old and we still don't necessarily tell everything out of that, that we want to do uh, for fear of somebody criticizing it. And, and so I'll just talk a little bit about how I get over that. I just don't care anymore. But <laughs> besides that, yeah, um, good strategy. Yeah, it just, just it doesn't matter to me anymore. You know, yeah. um, a couple of things that, that I've done on the criticism side is really look at it what it is, because it did affect me a lot of times. I get very defensive if somebody criticized me, you know, I, I would come back on them or whatever. And a lot of that had to do with my time in the military and things like that. And just the way that, that uh, uh, we have to deal with certain situations. But, you know, uh, about a year ago, um, I was on this Zoom and the guy on the Zoom said, hey, if you want to not care what people think of you, here's what you need to do in the next 24 hours. So he gave us a deadline and he said, you got to do this. And, uh, and, what, and it was actually, we had masks, you know, it was COVID time. And he said, you go into a store or a place of business or a restaurant or coffee house. Don't tell anybody what you're doing. Lay down on the floor and videotape yourself doing a snow (laughs) angel. And so (laughs) I did that. I went into our Target store here in Great Falls, into the um, Starbucks there. And I asked my wife if she wanted to go along with me and videotape it. She said, no. Actually, she probably said other (laughs) words too, but... But uh, she did not want to be uh, related to me at that point. So I had to take my own tripod in there and talk about, I mean, it's one thing just to walk in, lay down, do a snow angel and get up and leave. It's another thing to go in and walk in and set up your tripod. And the, and the uh, uh, person that was working behind the counter said, may I help you? And I said, no. And I just kept setting up my tripod. And took my coat off, had my mask on, lay down, started my camera, lay down on the floor, videotape me doing a snow angel, got up, turned off my camera, put my tripod away, went up to the counter and said, yeah, I'll have a caramel macchiato. <laughs> she just looked at me, made it, and I left. <laughs> so, but the, the point behind that is it doesn't really matter. You know, a lot of times we, we fear things. And, and a lot of times, you know, when people are criticizing us, they might not say it the right way, but they're, a lot of times they're not necessarily criticizing us. So trying to get us to be better also, you know, and things like that. So so criticism isn't a bad thing. It's just learning how to handle it. And uh, one is just, it doesn't matter because it, let's say you're starting a business and somebody criticizes you for doing it. Unless they're paying your bills and they are in charge of all that stuff, it doesn't matter what they think. If they want to pay your bills, yeah, they can tell you what to do with your business. If they're not willing to pay your bills, they can take a hike. 
And you can say that to family members, whoever you want, but that's, that's where you got to be when it comes to criticism is don't let it derail you. You know, I, I've been on, I had the speech, uh, uh, friend of uh, somebody I know that did it back in 1993. So many years ago. Right. And he did a speech and he says, you know what, I'm climbing this mountain. And if somebody tells me, no, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to keep going up the mountain because they're either going to see me waving at the top or dead on the side. Uh, but I'm not turning back. I'm going forward. And I think that's how we need to treat criticism, not, not defensively, just say, Hey, I'm going, you know, either you, you can support me or don't support me. That's up to you, but I'm not listening to the criticism, you know, what, what you have now with all that said, some of it, you got to find your mentors and your, your advisors and stuff that are going to be honest with you and tell you the right stuff, you know, but, uh, uh, but criticism is tough. So it's not all bad. There's, there's a good criticism to help you get better. So don't discard everything as somebody just being negative with you. Just look at it as a, well, hey, now I need to use the tools that we talked about on how to either minimize it, mitigate it, get away from those people or listen to it. And you got to know what's the best way to do. So anyways, over to you, Ty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, just like you, and, and I'm sure like a lot of people, this is a, a common fear. Um, because it is tough, right? We, um, a lot of times we overly value people's opinions, even if we don't really overvalue the people who are giving them, um, you know, sometimes we value strangers opinions more than our own. Um, but really, I think that this comes down to, um, understanding, like you said, when the criticism is from someone that's valid and that, you know, maybe they've, they've got a, a solid point or, or they can help you see something that you're missing. Um, I think that there is a lot of opportunity for criticism to help you grow. Uh, but then there's just a lot of criticism from people that they've got their own things that they're dealing with that um, are causing them to say that, you know, maybe it's jealousy of, of the opportunity that you have uh, before you. Uh, maybe they are, you know, they had something in their past that, you know, they, they went out on a limb to do something and they failed. And so um, they just assume that anybody that takes a risk is going to fail. Um, and these are things that obviously not everybody's going to tell you right off the bat. Oh yeah. I, you know, I don't think you're going to succeed because, you know, back when I started a business, I failed and I was the worst at it. And therefore you are too. Um, but, and I think we've mentioned this before in a, in a previous episode, um, the way that I look at criticism is if whatever I'm doing, when I start to encounter pushback or I start to encounter criticism, I think that's an indicator that you're actually on the right path. Um, and, and, and again, this, this is the type of criticism um, that there isn't well articulated points. Um, it isn't something that you're just ignoring or um, that, that you're not really considering, but it's more of that criticism that's surface level. Um, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, it's not worth it to try, or, you know, you're going to work so hard at that business and then it's going to not turn out for you. Um, and, and, and some of those people might be trying to protect you. They might be, have your best interest or they think they have your best interest. Uh, but for whatever reason it's popping up and, you know, I, I tend to think that that is an indicator that you're on to something, right? Because if you're trying to do something extraordinary, um, trying to do something that most people aren't like starting a business or, you know, 
progressing through your career, you know, every time you, you do something um, newer or something more risky or something more challenging, more and more people are going to look at that and critique it. They're going to be critics of it. Um, and, and I think that's an indicator that, okay, I'm, I'm onto something that is going to set me apart. So maybe I, I should keep pursuing this. Maybe you do take some of their little pieces of criticism and figure out how do you improve what your idea is even more. But I, I think a good dose of criticism is a good indicator that, hey, maybe I'm onto something here and, and maybe I should keep following this, uh, this thread. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So, so criticism, good and bad, you know, it's just all how we handle it and, and, and uh, where it's coming from and stuff. So, so just keep that in mind on that. So we're going to go into number three, which is the fear of ill health, you know, uh, um, and that's a real one, you know, for myself, yeah. I've had health issues, you know, in, in the past and, and uh, that has stopped me from doing certain things, you know, uh, like going on an 11 mile hike, <laughs> a couple of years ago, that would have stopped me from doing that. But this time when we were getting ready to go up in Glacier, yeah, there's a fear. My son had a fear of me not being able to make it because of my health and different things like that. But I, I pushed through it, you know, and yep. it is one of those things that, you know, what if I could, if I let something like that stop me, it, it'll beat me every time. And I'll never take the chances that I need to take. Now, some of it was a little, a little scary because I was uh, having some uh, issues when I was on the, on the cliff and that's not a good time to have an issue with health, but you know, uh, how, how we deal with health because, because health is uh, um, making sure you're in shape to do the things that you want to do. You know, I, I had somebody a few years ago tell me he's like 80 years old. Um, and then that'll be another one that we're going to talk about his old age, but um <laughs> I asked him, you know, because I was doing some health coaching at the time, and I said, hey, uh, um, I understand people want to get healthy and stuff like that, but you're 80 years old. You went through uh, 30 years in the military. You've done all these things. You have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and, and you've lived a full life. Why start getting healthy today at 80 years old? I said, you can sit back and nobody would question it at all. You can sit back and watch TV for the next 10 years. And he says, I could. He said, but he said, I want to be able to climb the mountain when my great grandson wants me to go with him. And I want to be able to say, yes, I can do it. And you know what? That's the reason he wanted to get healthy. And so I think just us thinking of getting healthy and things like that, we got to have that motivation behind it. So it's, it's a fear. We, we have a uh, we have a, a fear of hey, what if I'm unhealthy and I can't do certain things? How, how does that work? Or what if this happened and I'm unhealthy or I have ill health? I'm afraid of that. And, and a lot of people die if they don't have something to live for, you know, type thing. So this is a little different take on, on the fear of ill health, but it is his motivation for wanting to be healthy because he knew that if he wasn't healthy, he would shrivel up and not be able to do what he wants to do with his great grandkids. So I think that's powerful that you got to have that motivation to, to get healthy. We know what we should be eating. As I, as I saw talking to you, Ty earlier said, you know, we're talking about good health, eating a bowl of ice cream. That's not the time to be talking about, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I want good health. So I'm going to put the bowl down. You know, I've also had it where 
accountability comes into play when you're dealing with, with your health or with anything that you're dealing with is uh, um, I was, I was teaching a course with uh, a friend of mine. And one of the things all of us wanted to be kind of getting healthier and better, um, better eating habits and stuff like that. And we talked, we joked about, yeah, like grabbing up that uh, handful of peanuts and eating them and whatever. Well, this guy, he's a good friend of mine. He texted all of us at eight o'clock and he said, Hey guys, remember no eating after eight o'clock. Um, because if you stop, then, then that'll help your body settle before you go to bed. As I have a handful of peanuts at <laughs> eight o'clock, I put them away. Hmm. So, so it is, it is what motivates us to, to stay healthy and stuff, but, but we all, and like I said, in my, in my instance, you know, my health could stop me from doing things. And so I had to really look at the tools to help me deal with it. Sometimes it's a matter of sitting down, clearing my head, closing my eyes, getting focused, um, to, to push through it. And my health is more, more, uh, um, neurological, you know, versus, you know, uh, maybe cancer or different things like that. But a lot of people fear that because we hear all the, the negative stories of what goes on with something like that or chemo and things like that. So, so these are real fears, but just how do you deal with it? So anyways, over to you, Ty. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is a, a good example of, you know, as we talked about in the beginning, how do you mitigate risk? Cause you're, um, or, or mitigate fear, I should say. Um, cause there's, there's not something that you can do that's going to keep you healthy forever. Right. We've, um, there's always going to be some amount of, of risk involved. You could be the healthiest person in the world and still get sick. It's, you know, it's not going to be a, a silver bullet situation. Uh, but I think people do underestimate how, how much control they have on their health when they're um, with the things that they do have control over. Right. So like you talked about um, our, how is your diet? How, how much exercise are you getting? Uh, how much water do you drink? Um, are you getting all of the nutrients that you need? And, and I think that there are certainly a lot of things that we can control, um, you know, getting regular checkups and, and, and all sorts of things, right. That, that can help us close the gap on, on what is, what is our degree of risk, right? There's, there's always going to be some out there, um, you know, we certainly saw that in the last 18 months, right? You know, you're not going to always have full control over this one. Um, just like you're not going to have full control over any of the other ones. But I think it just comes down to, you know, what is in your circle of control? And are you doing what it takes to ensure that those are the reasons, or I should say that those aren't the reasons that you do find yourself, um, you know, sick or, or battling something? Um, because I think if you can, you know, if this is something that really does scare you or keep you up at night and something you think about a lot, certainly going down the road of, of trying to make that, um, make, make those decisions that are going to help you is going to provide some comfort, right? You feel like you're in control. And I think that's another part of fear that people don't talk about is, okay, what, how much of this am I in control of, right? You, you know, thinking about again, back to the bear situation, because, you know, it's the, you know, it's the most dramatic that we can think of, right? But you don't have control of, of where the bear is going to show up on the path, or if it's going to show up, or 
if it's just going to get scared and run away. Right. But you can do everything you can to be prepared for. That's why, you know, people that live in Montana, you know, we bring bear spray with us, right. We're doing what it takes to control the factors that we have, right. If, if you're walking out in, in Glacier National Park without bear spray and a bear attacks you, you know, Hey, there was something that you could have done. Right. Right. Same thing with your health. There are things you could do. It doesn't mean the bear is not going to show up, but at least you're going to be somewhat prepared. At least you're going to say, okay, I did everything I could. Uh, but this may have been inevitable. Yeah. And I want to add, I want to do a public service announcement for those of you that are not in Montana. <laughs> so when we are talking about bear spray, bear spray is what you spray at the bear when the bear is there. Bear spray is not like suntan lotion. It is not like <laughs> bug repellent where you put it on yourself and wait 20 minutes before you go outside. That is not what it is. So I wanted to clarify when we're in Montana and we're talking about bear spray, that's what it is, is it's to protect you and gets the bear to go like this to his eyes. So it gives you a chance to get away. Okay. Um, because otherwise he's going to be mad if you don't get away. So, yeah. so gotta keep moving. But anyways, public service announcement back to you, Ty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, um, kind of moving into um, our next fear. It's, it's the loss of someone you love. Um, and, and I think that, like you said at the beginning, you know, it could be the death of someone you love. It could be, um, you know, losing a partner to divorce or breakup. It could be, you know, a family member. It could be a, you know, business partner or relationship that, you know, fails. It could be loss of a friendship, right? There's probably no end to the list of, of examples. Um, but what I think this boils down to or what causes this fear is that you're worried that you're not giving enough love to that person right now, right? It's, it's some degree of guilt that, um, you know, similar to, to the previous example of health, there's certain things that you can be doing now, um, you know, putting in work in, in, in these relationships to improve them and, and to show that um, this is someone you love. Obviously, you know, in the event of death, you know, you don't have a whole lot of control over some of that. Um, so I guess, you know, maybe we'll focus on, on the non-death loss first. Uh, really think about how you can show that love to them now, right? While you have them again, what you have control over is what you can, um, what you can see effect on. So I think if, if that is a fear that you have, that you're going to lose the people around you, you know, show them how much they mean to you now, right? Because you can't do that when they are gone or if they are gone. So, you know, really being grateful for having them now, having them a part of your life now, I think goes a long way to helping relieve um, this fear. And, and I think that applies to both situations of, you know, losing someone not to death um, and then also losing someone that did die in your life. You know, appreciate them now. Again, do what it takes to show them that love. Do what it takes to improve the, the relationship. Do the hard work right now. Um, I think that does a lot to removing that barrier of fear. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that about the hard work. It is hard work. It's hard work, you know, after you have a child, you know, uh, uh, the love and, and just the dedication that you need to put into it. Marriages 
they don't survive just because they were married and it's it till death do his part. <laughs> you don't want to make that uh, uh, happen earlier than later um, <laughs> if that is your mindset. But it does take work. You know, it's uh, uh, it's a constant thing of how do I show somebody I appreciate them? And sometimes it's with words, but a lot of times it's with actions. You know, it's, it's uh, um, you know, doing things that's going to uh, make them appreciate you and not for you to get a pat on the back saying, hey, I did the dishes tonight. It's, hey, I knew you were tired, so I, I did the dishes. Or don't say anything and you did the dishes. And they come out of the back room and say, oh, thank you for doing that. I was getting ready to do that. So, you know, it's just those little acts there. And I, and I got to add something, you know, um, with my military background, it's kind of interesting. Um, we were on a deployment here a few years ago and we came back and we had 70 of us leave to go on the deployment. We came back and we had seven people get divorced. So we had 10% of our unit get divorced after that deployment. And what's interesting, if you talk to the ones that, that got a divorce, they say, well, I was tired of my spouse leaving all the time. Okay, so you were tired for them leaving for eight months to a year, and now you're without them forever. I mean, to me, those are excuses that said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, tired. I'm tired of you, not I'm tired of you leaving. Um, it's, it's just I'm tired of you. Um, I've had a couple of those people, their, their spouses uh, um, went and got the uh, uh, weight surgery done, you know, where they... Uh, I forget what it's called now, not like the lap band uh, type stuff. And they started seeing guys pay attention to them and they divorced their husbands because the husband's uh, military health insurance paid for them to get the surgery and then they dump them. So, so why, or a little piece of advice, everybody out there, don't always let the military pay for your surgeries and stuff, because it could be the death of your, of your marriage. But that's just another side note. But it is one of those things as you think about uh, the loss of somebody and that might stop you from doing certain things too, you know, because you, you have the fear of, hey, if this happens, you know, I'm not going to be able to go on and stuff. Same with the death, you know, um, if something like that happens, you got to figure out how to go on because death does happen. Death is a, a realistic thing here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh uh, death here um, towards the end and we actually why, why don't we lump that into here because you know so we don't run too long we'll lump uh, fear of death you know we're fear of yeah. dying ourselves and we're fear of losing somebody to death um you know especially a spouse you know a wife here she's 11 years out of uh, cancer you know she had a breast cancer 11 years ago and stuff so scary times you know we didn't know what to expect i never had anybody uh close to me that that um that went through something like that. And so we had to learn and it brought us closer together, you know, as, as far as a family and, and a couple and mm. stuff. And I actually have people come up to me and say, Jason, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, for, for what? For sticking with your wife. I'm like, who says that? Who, why wouldn't I? You know, I mean, that never even crossed my mind, but then we're talking about the fear here. You know, sometimes that does happen. It's like, well, they're not a whole person now, or they're not this, or they're not that. So they're not who I married. So I'm not going to put in any more work and I'm going to leave. Mm. And, and those are 
going back to what you were talking about in the beginning, and I love that part, you know, what's recognizing what's going on and having the tools in place to deal with it. And, and I know if you're looking at uh, uh, possibly losing somebody or because of health, you know what, that was a wake up call for us. We started eating differently, you know, because then we realized that cancer feeds off of things. So we got to make sure we cut out some sugar and stuff like that. So we had to change that as part of our health in order to make sure that we didn't deal with the other end and, and stuff. And, and one thing I always like to caution whenever we're talking about something like this is when somebody, just because you do all these things, it doesn't mean that it still won't happen. You know, don't, don't say, well, I've done all these things. Like you said, I, I've talked to marathon runners that get cancer. I've talked to marathon runners that have done everything healthy their whole life and still end up sick. So just because you do it, does it, but it's that minimizing and mitigating what we can control. You know, you said it very well there earlier, Ty, is what can we control is all we can do. We can't control the other things. We can only control these things. I can control what I put in my body. I can control how I respond to somebody. I can control uh, the thoughts that go into my mind. You know, all these things that I can control, that's all I can do. If it's out of my control, why even worry about it? Because it won't do any good. Yep. So, yeah, so definitely. And, and, and you want to add anything know, else onto that before we move on? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So kind of talking about, um, you know, we shifted from the death of a loved one to, you know, our own death, right? And, and you know, uh, there's that saying out there that there are only two things that you can't avoid in life, uh, death and taxes. Um, so Less, more, we, we can't avoid uh, taxes more right now. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, the mitigating factor on taxes is maybe have a good accountant, uh, but there's not really a whole lot of mitigating factors on death. It's going to come at some point. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's, it's along the same lines of the death of someone else. It's, it's um, not appreciating, you know, the life that you have today. And, you know, that sounds corny, you know, and, and, and kind of like, um, you know, well, duh, I should appreciate that I woke up today. Um, but I, but I guess even, even more than that, it's, am I living life to the fullest now? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Or, you know, do I hate my job so much? And, um, you know, I, I am feeling trapped in this life. And, and so that's when I think that fear of death starts creeping in is, is more so, okay, I'm going to have regrets that I didn't get to do this, or, you know, that I spent so much time doing something that I didn't like. And, and you're not really embracing um, what's going to fulfill you in your life. And, and I think that comes with some of these other fears that we've talked about, right? Maybe you aren't enjoying your job so much. And, and so you've let the fear of poverty keep you from starting a business or keep you from a career change or going back to school to, to learn some other new skill to, to go out and, and do something different, right? So all of these fears, you know, there's a balance to them, right? You know, if, if your fear of, of um, sickness is uh, so crippling that you don't want to do anything to, to get better, well, then, you know, the, the balance on that end is maybe death for you is, you know, compounding now. You're not doing what it takes to um, get healthy. And, and so now you're creeping up. So all of this is a balance. And I think, you know, death is 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 so interesting because it's so um you know black and white in our minds right you know and we never know when it's coming we don't we don't have a 
you know, a clock counting down how much time we have left for us. So I, in my opinion, um, and, and people can disagree with, with this and have a different way of looking at it. But again, it's, it's back to that circle of control. You know, we don't have control of when the clock strikes zero, but we do have control of what we're doing with our, our lives. We have control um, over our actions today. And I think if, if you can take actions to appreciate your life right now, you can feel like your life is being fulfilled. You, you know, you're, you're happy, you're doing what you love. Um, I think that takes away some of this, the, the fear of, of death, you know, it'll still be scary to a lot of people, but at least, you know, okay, I spent time doing what I loved. I spent time with people that I loved. So um, if it does, or when it does come, you know, I, I did what I could. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of something uh, as you were talking about, you know, um, our control and stuff and what we can control and what we can't control. There's a poem out there, and I don't know if you've ever heard it or read it. It's called The Dash. Hmm. And it talks about what you do in The Dash. And so, like, I was born in 1966, and then I have a dash, and then your death date, right? Your beginning and end, you have no control over but you have control of what you do during the dash. And so, yes, Google is sometimes it's called the dash poem or something like that, but it's, it's great because it talks about things that you can't control. You know, we don't know. I mean, we could be struck uh, tomorrow, you know, um, and, and not wake up or whatever, but it's what we did during the dash that matters. You know, um, the other two we can't control only the dash. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up as you were talking about, you know, what we can control because obviously you can't control death. Yep. I know. Yeah. I know. I think Bill Gates or somebody's trying to control that, or maybe Jeff Bezos. One, one of them is <laughs> trying to control. I know Walt Disney wanted to control it, you know, yep. where he could freeze himself and, and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I, I, you know, I think kind of wrapping up that thought, um, you know, it's, you can choose whether you spend more time thinking about that than you do, you know, living your life right now. And, and again, back to, you know, comparing this to the loss of a loved one, whether it's, you know, their death or you're losing them to some other circumstance. Um, you're, you're thinking more about the end of that relationship or the end of having them than you are appreciating them right now. Mm -hmm. So you can't control when they're going to leave. If they're going to leave, they're going to die. If you're going to die. So you might as well appreciate the time we have now. And then, you know, whatever happens is, you know, it's, it's out of our control. So, yep. um, so yeah. So yeah. How about we move into um, our last fear here? Um, you know, the fear of old age. I think that, um, you know, maybe you could take a, a line of this to, uh, to death, but I think if we kind of go maybe, a different way with it. Um, the fear of old age in terms of opportunity in a career or, um, you know, being able to do, uh, exciting adventurous things as you get older. Um, and, and this is an interesting thought because, uh, you know, I think a lot of what I've dealt with in, in my life is, is thinking that a lot of the decisions we make are, are final and that, uh, you know, what I decide now is going to forever rule my life. Um, and, and I think that that has been a flawed way of thinking for me, at least, um, you know, there are so many 
factors in life that are going to change that. Um, I, I think the, the best way of, of handling this is, you know, just take every opportunity that you have right now. Um, and I, and I kind of operate based on, a um, a system of always saying yes to things. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I guess we'll see over, over the course of my lifetime, if that's an effective strategy, <laughs> but, um, I, I think a lot of people say no out of a fear that, um, you know, okay, what's going to happen as I, as I progress through a career or what's going to happen when I reach a point where, you know, there are people that are younger than me, um, that maybe have more technical skill, or maybe they're more employable now. Um, and, and again, this is all coming back to, uh, operating out of defensive, um, playbook, right. You're saying, okay, how can I, um, defend myself from old age? How can I prevent a lot of these things instead of, going, you know, on the offense of, okay, how, how, what can I do? Um, what factors do I control that are going to help me advance? What, what can I do to learn a new skill? What can I do to stay, um, you know, relevant in, in the company that I'm running to, to continue to be at the helm of it? Cause I think there are plenty of examples out there of, of people who've built really big businesses that are, um, you know, you think about someone like Warren Buffett, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how old he is, but, you know, still one of the sharpest people in the investment world. Um, and, you know, he's an older guy. So I don't, I don't know what has um, caused our society to think that, okay, once I'm, you know, a certain age, then, you know, that's it for me. I'm, I'm not going to be youthful and young. And, um, you know, I, a person that I really enjoy uh, listening to is, is Gary Vee. And he talks a lot about how, um, I don't know exactly, I think he's in his, I think he's in his fifties or maybe he's in his forties, whatever, but, but he always has this, um, this line that he says about how he, he feels as young at the age he is today as he did when he was 18. And, um, you know, I, would be curious to hear your thoughts on that. And, you know, we have such a similar personality and, you know, our energy and our ideas that, you know, we're maybe a good example of that in terms of a difference in age, but we still have the same, um, you know, energy and excitement towards things that it's a good example that, okay, this is not a factor that should rule my life. Age isn't a factor that should rule my life. So I might as well take the chances that I have again, coming back to controlling what you can now, I think is a, is a good way of looking at a lot of this. Yeah. So I think with myself, it's passion. You know, you got to be passionate about something, you know, people that are in a dead end job and they stay there because they're afraid well, now I'm too old to, to go get something else. Um, and you're asking, you know, where do we get to that point as a society? And I think it's society teaches us that because they tell you, you know, Hey, the companies are replacing the older with the younger because they can pay them less. You know, now, now you're a, uh, your liability, you're not an asset. So I think it comes from just uh, the world itself telling us, that that we're done you know at 55 or whatever or at 65 when you retire that's it you know uh, we have people now living into their 90s you know what if they just you know i know i know a lot of people that that uh, uh that i've been around over the years you know if they're 65 66 and they retire and they do nothing they don't last very long you know either either the mind goes or the body goes 
um, versus, Hey, you know what? I'm 65 and I retired from this, but now I'm doing what I always wanted to do. I'm doing my passion. And, and there's probably, I've, I've had people that started running marathons at 65. You know what? I have no desire to run a marathon. So I don't care how healthy I am. That will never, ever come out of my mouth. <laughs> but for him, it was important that he wanted to do that. So, um, and he was overweight and, and all these other factors until 65 and he retired. And he said, this is my goal. He got healthy. He started eating right. He didn't go out and run a 26 mile marathon next week. He built up to it. He's not like me where you don't hike at all. And then you go on an 11 mile hike, you know, that, that probably wasn't smart on my part, <laughs> but, but I, I do feel that it is a passion uh, behind uh, somebody to, to keep them going. Age doesn't matter. You know, you're only as old as you, as you, um, as you feel inside, you know, your body might be 60. My body's 54, but there's times that I feel, I mean, I was out there hiking with my 26 year old and that's keeping up with him. You know, um, I was out uh, doing, uh, um, other, other things, you know, that I look around and I told my wife, I saw, I saw a guy on Facebook and he's my age. Right. And he is barely crawling out of his vehicle when he was, you know, somebody was taking a picture and stuff and he was smiling and, and I thought, Heather, he's my age, totally different, you know, different experiences, obviously in life. But I said, you know, I'm 54. When I was younger, I thought 54 was the end. My dad yeah. had cancer <laughs> at, at 54, 55, you know? So, so when you start looking at some of this stuff, it's just like, wow, you know, it's, it's not that old. So we got to take care of ourselves, but we can't let, uh, uh, age dictate, Hey, I've been doing this job for X amount of years and I'm 50 years old. Now I can't change because what else am I going to do and stuff? But if you got a passion out there, find it, dig deep, get the passion, get the fire back in your belly and make that change. Age doesn't matter. As you said, people are 80, 90 years old doing things that, that you only see 30 year olds doing today. And, and to me, that's because they found their passion. And when I always talk about, I want to retire, it's not to retire to do nothing. It's to retire so I can start doing what I love to do. And this is actually what I love to do. So as long as I have income coming in, this is what I love to do is teach and educate and, and uh, uh, work with people and build networks. That's what I love to do. I, I'm not working when I do this stuff, you know, and this is uh, something I could do till I'm 70 or 80. Do I want to do... Uh, working at a retail store when I'm 70 or 80. No, but at some point, you know, you make that decision and say, Hey, you know what? I, I love doing that or I don't love doing whatever it is, but if you find your passion, age doesn't matter. Age, age doesn't, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. We make it appear because society tells us we're going to put you out to pasture at 65. <laughs> yeah. And, and when and I was, well, when I was uh, just second year, when I was uh, uh, doing a lot of insurance work, I had a buddy of mine. He uh, did a lot of financial planning. He says, you know, when you retire, you have the go-go years. You're raring to go and stuff. And then you have the slow-go years. And then you have the no-go years. And he said, what happens <laughs> is these guys that are getting ready to retire, going back to the, the first fear of poverty, he says, you know, the, they're afraid to retire because of what happened in 08, you know, they could lose it again. So they stay working and stuff. And their goal is to buy the boat, buy the uh, vacation home, buy the RV, buy all these things when they retire. And, but they don't do it when they have the go-go years, they do it in the no-go years and they do it after they die. And when they die, then the kids, 
now we're buying the boats, the RVs and stuff that, that the parents work so hard for that they don't get to enjoy them because they are afraid of what happens. And, and a lot of that thought process comes out of the depression. You know, the great yeah. depression, you know, it's, Hey, I lost it. I'm not going to lose it again. And, and stuff. So they hold it close to the vest and, and they don't do things. Well, you're 70 years old. I know, but I'm, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep working on it so I can build up this nice nest. They can do this stuff. Well, then they get sick and then they pass away. And then the kids end up doing the nice things that they wanted to do. Yep. Yeah. And I think there's a case to be made on the other end of the spectrum too, that we can kind of touch on before we wrap this episode up. Um, you know, for, for young people that are maybe listening to this, that, you know, I think there's a, a lot of people that will tell uh, young people that are, you know, on the verge of being successful, or they've got these ambitions of whether it's starting a business or, or doing some sort of career that uh, they've got their eye on. Um, there's a lot of limiting factors there too, that society has um, put in place of saying, okay, well, you know, you have to have this much experience to do something like this, or, you know, you know, maybe starting a business isn't for you because, you know, you haven't been around long enough. You don't have the, the context of that. And, you know, I think that's equally as, as bad to, to think that way. And, and so, like you said, age shouldn't be the limiting factor here. If you've got the ambition, if you've got the excitement, if, if it's something that, you know, is what's right for you to do, um, I think that regardless of where you're at, you should do it. You know, I think we have that responsibility to, to find our potential and, and, and get as close to our potential or exceed our potential um, that we can. And so um, again, yeah, I, I like that you find our potential. I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, so that's why, that's why I like recording all this stuff too, because we might say something that's profound. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always, it's always helpful. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, um, and like we opened up, there are certainly more fears out there. Um, you know, we, we didn't touch on, uh, spiders or snakes or heights, uh, because we don't have a lot of helpful tips on how to avoid those. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just stay out of those areas. If yes. You do the snakes. Yes. Yeah, um, avoid that. so yeah, we, I mean, I, I'd love to hear, you know, in the comments, what, what are some other fears that people find, um, that limit them right there. There's always, and, and you'll notice, I'm sure. And, and you can maybe attest to this, um, through your life, you'll see certain fears that are consistently holding you back. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and there are some that'll maybe pop up, you know, as, as you get older or you get more experience in some other area. Um, but there's usually going to be ones that seem like they are always present. You're always having to deal with those, um, so, so I'd be interested to hear what other people's thoughts are. What are some other uh, fears that are out there? And then what are some other ways that um, you can help recognize and deal with some of these fears that we didn't talk about in this episode? Yeah, one thing I will add, you know, uh, um, talking about like experiences and things that, that hold us back constantly and stuff. So one of the things that I deal with, and I still deal with it today because they don't go away. You know, we just have to figure out how to work around them is the approval of others. Kind of like that criticism, but the approval. So I'll leave it at that. So if any of you in the, that are listening to this, watching this uh, um, on the podcast or in the Facebook Live or on the replay or whatever, put in there, you know, what are some of the fears that, that you've had to deal with or whatever. And mine is, is still, you know, wanting to be uh, uh, other people to approve of what I do. 
And so I'm always striving to, for somebody else's approval. Um, and, and as I started out in the beginning is I just had to resign myself to the fact of, I don't care what other people think and I need to do it, but it doesn't mean that it goes away. It's just learning how to deal with it, um, is, is the thing because, um, you can't just, I can't just switch that off. I wish I could switch, take a, a, a turn of the switch and say, Hey, um, uh, I'm no longer worried about that because it's not like that. You know, it's family members, it's friends, it's, it's uh, colleagues and stuff like that. So I'm always striving to um, uh, get their approval, you know, uh, kind of like that. Uh, hey, good job, son. Good job you know, for doing that. I don't need it, but in the back of my mind is like, if I don't get that, do they really like what I did? And mm. so, so, so yeah, put in the comments, anything like that. Uh, uh, but as we wrap up here, we hope that this episode was beneficial because we want to continue to bring things that we deal with and how we can make it through it. And then how we can uh, help you guys uh, get through some of the stuff. So make sure you, you like our podcast, subscribe to it, share it with your colleagues and your friends and just get it out there because that's how we know that we're reaching the right audience. And then put in the comments also topics that you would like us to talk about and we will do that. You know, we're, we're excited about where this podcast is going and, and uh, the Facebook lives and the different things that we're doing. And, but we don't want to be talking to, to dead air out there. You know, we want to make sure that it's relevant to what you guys want, you know, cause what Ty and I want might be different and we're, we're willing to, to listen and, and uh, do some research on some topics for you guys and, and things like that. So so with that, we're going to wrap up here and it is always a pleasure guys being a part of this podcast and having you guys as our audience being here with Ty, um, doing a lot of things that we love to do. A lot of difference in age. He's younger than my youngest son, uh, by the way, Ty, he's 26. And, uh, but just uh, uh, our friendships that we built here and we did it because we're like-minded and we want to get around the people that make us better. And so that's why Ty and I connect and we're always looking for people that will help make us better. And we're hoping we can help make somebody else better. So with that, you guys have a great, great evening. I'll talk to y'all later.